Hello, I'm Samia Ariane. I'm a tech philosopher and the founder of Impeak, a platform that helps entrepreneurs and business professionals stay ahead of the curve in Web3 and emerging technologies. My guest on today's podcast is Duncan Cockfoster, co-founder of Nifty Gateway, which is one of the leading marketplaces for digital art and collectibles. Nifty Gateway was founded in 2018, and within just a year, it was acquired by Gemini. In this interview, Duncan will explain some of the fantastic initiatives that they are developing at Nifty Gateway. In particular, their publisher collaboration program, which can also be a career opportunity in Web3. First of all, Duncan, thank you for being here. I really appreciate you giving me your time. A little bit of a background for why we are having this conversation and how we got connected. So I'm in the Proof Discord, um, and uh, that's where I met Brian, who uh, works with you guys. And I was talking about Steinway. You know, I said several times I mentioned, hey guys, you know, like you're doing all these amazing artist uh, collaborations. Why don't you, you know, consider working with Steinway? Because I've worked with Steinway. I have worked with them for nearly seven years now. So I was like, I've got this um, amazing connection there, you know, and, and I can... Um, potentially broker, you know, a, a uh, introduction, you know, so there's, there's a lot of opportunities there and nothing materialized there. And then all of a sudden, uh, Brian was like, you know, do you know about Nifty Gateways and what's happening here? And um, then we got talking and it was at that point that he mentioned to me about the publisher product that you guys are coming out with. So I thought this would be a good opportunity for us to kind of dig into that a little bit more and talk a little uh, about your business model of how you are literally going out and finding artists not who are not necessarily typical artists but like people who could be you know releasing interesting uh, art you know and and um, unique pieces which is something that you don't get on open sea you know so uh, am I right in saying that what you're doing there, it's kind of a little bit more similar to art blocks? Is there some le level of com comparison there? Um, yeah, I would say so. You know, art, art blocks also does a lot of curation. Um, I mean, it, it really good for us. It goes back to 2019 when we when we launched uh, the new, you know, well. 2019 is when Nifty Gateway got bought by Gemini, and then 2020 is when we launched. Um, at that time, the NFT space was still very, very small. And essentially, our diagnosis and our view on the matter was, you know, NFTs need to, in order for NFTs to achieve mainstream adoption, we need to really get people creating NFTs who are capable of getting the attention of a broader audience. Um, and so we spent a lot of time going out and pitching different people, mostly artists who had a big following, you know, outside of the NFT world. We worked with a lot of artists who were NFT native as well, but really our thesis was, okay, if we can, if we can convert some of these artists who have a big following and are super well known into creating NFTs, and if we can help them do it well, then we can bring a, a lot of attention to the NFT world. And honestly, that's, that's basically exactly what happened. Um, it almost worked too well because we had a you know, once we recruited Beeple and we were the first ones to do a, a drop with Beeple and his first drop was a hit, but then his second drop was just pure insanity because he, the second drop sold for like $2.3 million total back in December of 2020. 
And looking back, that was that was the inflection point of NFTs where people all of a sudden woke, looked around and they said, wait a second, I can make $2 million selling NFTs. I, I need to learn more about what these NFTs are. And, you know, people went on to do that um, crazy Christie's auction from there. And that was really the beginning of NFTs uh, blowing up and entering the, the mainstream consciousness. Um, so, th so that's really all always been the goal of, of Nifty to try and, you know, we're all about mainstream adoption. Um, the platform is, is built to be extremely accessible. And a really big part of that is, yeah, curating great artists and making sure that, um, and, you know, helping people release their best NFTs. Super interesting, because when I think about something like Steinway, a brand that has 2000 Steinway artists, Mm -hmm. You know, each of those Steinway artists can have their own NFTs. They could have their own unique, interesting things. And then Steinway releases so many pieces of, you know, limited edition through, uh, they have done uh, throughout the years and all the material that goes into, you know, the drawings, the design process, all of those things, they, all of those things could, could become, uh, you know, essentially NFTs. So mm -hmm. the problem though, is that like, for example, I've been having this conversation with the Steinway team. Uh, the problem though, is that it's very hard for a company uh, of that stature to kind of like take a risk on something like NFTs. Um, so I'm hoping that this conversation, you know, I, I will send it to the, to the team at Steinway. Uh, there are some people in the company that are, you know, very open and interested in these topics, but ultimately it, there is a risk uh, or they, they see it as a risky kind of endeavor. So how can we make it easier? And not just Steinway, there are, there are so many other, um, you know, luxury brands and, and unique kind of legacy brands that um, I personally know I, that I have worked with in the past. Um, I've done work with Bentley, you know, with uh, a number of other like watchmakers, etc. And it's um, it's very hard for them to, you know, to make that shift. And most of the time, they have this image of NFTs being, you know, Ponzi-nomic or being, you know, something that is risky. That's like people are losing money, and you know, so so there's all of that stuff. So if you were uh, in a meeting with, or, or let's say if you met, um, you know, the CEO of one of these companies at a dinner uh, and you're sitting next to them and you, you want to tell them, look, you know, you've got all this uh, mountain of amazing stuff that you are sitting on. You know, why don't you turn these into NFTs, for example, and, and reach a new audience? Uh, what mm -hmm. would you tell, tell them? Well, first I would, I would start by acknowledging that you know i think uh there there definitely are some reasons that nfts have gotten a bad reputation and, and especially with sort of like you know a more mainstream audience um and i i think that's uh i think that's pretty normal honestly i mean i was just reading a lot about the the history of the internet and you know the you know the internet started as this like very powerful disruptive idea like amazon let's talk about amazon specifically and they said we're going to sell books on the internet and it was an amazing innovation because they could offer all three million books that were in circulation you could go onto amazon.com and buy them and barnes and noble only stocked about eighty thousand titles at the time so that was an amazing innovation and for the first 
for the first, I don't know, year or so, um, or a few years, people were really focused on, wow, this is such an incredible innovation. But then people got too excited about the idea. People essentially started, you know, uh, investing in all these companies that were not doing something that was truly innovative with the internet, that were losing money. And of course, you know, the internet bubble famously collapsed. And so then people went from being too excited about the idea to, to like too unexcited about the idea. Basically, they went from being like overly positive to being overly negative. You know, they forgot about all the amazing innovations that um, the internet provided. They forgot about the real value that Amazon provided. And they were just like, oh, this internet thing, it'll, it'll never work. That's honestly kind of what I think has happened with NFTs. Um, you know, uh, a, a few years ago, all people could talk about, or maybe even like six months ago, all people could talk about were the amazing innovations. You know, from an artist's perspective, if you're an artist um, and you live anywhere in the world, you can sell directly to your collectors and make a living. With, and you really couldn't do that with physical art. Um, you know, you can, NFTs are this amazing creative medium where you can build projects that wouldn't exist in other mediums. You know, you can build tokens that change and update. Um, and, you know, NFTs have this amazing community aspect to them that just doesn't exist in physical art or, or really other any other type of collectible. Um, and that's all people could talk about six months ago. Now, all people can talk about is the downsides. All they can say is, you know, NFTs are like, yeah, people have lost money. Um, there are NFT pump and dumps, which there definitely have been NFT pump and dumps. Um, and so, and I guess what I would tell them is the same pattern that played out with the internet is playing out here though, which is behind the scenes of, you know, the mainstream getting way too excited and then way too unexcited, you know, adoption is slowly steadily happening and, and more and more brands are figuring out how to use this new creative medium to their advantage. Um, which again, is just like, just like what happened with the internet. Um, it took a long time and there was this huge hype cycle then this huge disappointment cycle, but behind the scenes adoption was, was just, you know, on a continuous steady uptick. And, th and that's the same thing that I see happening with NFTs. Um, I would also tell them that, you know, the right strategy will, will make or break your NFT efforts. We've worked with a lot of mainstream institutions. Um, I, I would say that the, the biggest mistake I see them making is that they think that NFTs will be easy. You know, maybe they read the headlines and they see, oh, people sold a $70 million NFT or like this person sold a X million dollar NFT and they think, okay, all I have to do is mint an NFT and tweet about it and, and we'll be successful. And in reality, I mean, it's hard to succeed in the NFT medium, just like it's hard to succeed in any creative medium. You know, it's, it's not easy to become a painter and most painters don't actually sell a painting for a, a million dollars. That's not the, that's not the expected outcome. Um, you really have to invest and you have to figure out what works well. And then the third thing that I would say, which is, um, you know, probably a bit of a shameless plug, but uh, Nifty Gateway, because we have easy custody and fiat options, you know, it's much easier for much easier for people who are fans of the Steinway brand but don't know anything about crypto to get on boarded into their NFT ecosystem if they offer people a way like a simple way to buy. And we have a lot of data that that backs this up. It's the reason that we work with a lot of brands or a lot of them are interested in partnering with us because it's so much easier for people to get onboarded into NFTs if all they have to do is create an account and, you know, enter a credit card and hit checkout. Um, and then they can learn about wallets, cryptocurrency, et cetera, later on. But for that initial step, providing them with a 
a shopping experience that's as easy as any other e-commerce experience is incredibly important. Um, so that's that's those are basically the things that I would tell them. That's fantastic. I think you know this is coming from you with all the experience you've had. Uh, you know that hopefully will put uh, people's mind to uh, rest a little bit. Now tell me a little bit about uh, the publisher. Um, the publisher's product. Yes. So, t- totally. so tell me a little bit about that because let's say for example, if I wanted to um, become you know the publisher for whether it's for Steinway or any other kind of company that um, uh, in that realm of uh, you know the luxury brands, the unique brands that you are you know looking to bring into the space. So uh, how does that work? Yeah, absolutely. So essentially the the publisher's product what it does is it transforms nifty gateway from a site where we're the ones curating and publishing all the content to a site where other people can have their own curated storefront where they choose which content they want to publish um as i mentioned before you know nifty gateway art we we have our our main publishing brand nifty gateway curated drops we've been working with artists for 2.5 years we've worked with over 400 artists and we've actually uh helped earned them over $500 million throughout the lifetime of Nifty Gateway curated drops. And essentially what we've done is, you know, uh, reached out to them to get them excited about NFTs, help them figure out what their NFT should be priced at and how many they should make, um, giving them sort of more general career advice on here's how you succeed in the NFT space. And then over time, as we've, you know, curated a roster of artists, we've, we have a group of collectors who have really come to, to trust our judgment and show it pretty regularly whenever we do a, a curated drop. And so that's our curated brand, Nifty Gateway Curated Drops. Essentially, the idea behind the publisher's product is to take the tools that we've used to help artists be successful and let other curators use them. And so, you know, right now, if you go on Nifty Gateway, you can go see Nifty Gateway Curated Drops and you can see the artists that we've curated. But, um, well, I guess we're this will go live on September 1st. So. That, that previously was the state, but the new state of Nifty Gateway is you can go on Nifty Gateway and you can see, okay, here's all these different storefronts run by 50 different publishers. And you know, we have 33, who's a pretty prominent collector and, and curator. He's worked with a, a few dozens of artists and um, you know, released content from, from a few dozens of art artists. We have a King of Midtown as well. So it, it's really sort of, basically giving people the tools to run their own online art gallery is the way that I would describe it. Um, and I think it'll be very powerful because right now, every every NFT platform is all focused on letting creators publish directly and letting them reach their audience directly. We've had the experience, you know, we've, we've been curating artists for two and a half years. We've seen how powerful it can be. Um, you know, we've, we've paid out more money to artists than uh, any other art focused platform at this point. Um, and the curation is a, is a huge part of what makes that successful. Um, so I'm really excited to see what other curators will be able to do with these tools. I, I think, you know, it'll be a new way for people to participate in the NFT ecosystem. Uh, previously, you could be a, an artist or you could be a collector, but now you can be something else. You can be a curator and, and help other collectors find great artists. So I think it'll be a really valuable change. And ultimately, I think the number of artists who will be able to make a living in the NFT space full time will go up significantly because they'll have more people who can work with them to help make them successful, which is really, really important.
This is super interesting. Okay, so that, does this mean that you are uh, letting the publisher take the curator role or is the Nifty Gateway also having a, a say in, in what gets picked? The publisher is fully taking the curator role um, on, on their little storefront. They basically have a storefront that lives on Nifty. We still have our, we're going to operate Nifty Gateway curated drops the same way that we've been doing it more or less. Um, but going forward, you know, right now we're just one curator among many on the site. So you, you go there and there's Nifty Gateway curated drops, but there's also 50 other curated storefronts run by people with different curatorial visions, different rosters of artists, uh, different collector bases. So let's say, for example, if I become one of those publishers, do you provide us with some kind of training, uh, some kind of uh, education, explanation on what to do? Yeah, we, we do. We have a, a very a written guide um, on, we have guides both on precisely how to use the product and then also advice on how we think people can be successful with the product because curation is really its own creative pursuit um, and its own, you know, you need to be strategic about it. Um, I, I think the key to being successful as a curator is what I like to describe as the curation flywheel where over time, you you get a group of collectors who trust your judgment as a curator. And those collectors say, okay, you know, um, I'm a big fan of Somi. She always picks the best artists. I, I know that she'll be able to like select the best artists and release work with them. So then more collectors start to trust you. And because more collectors start to trust you, more artists will start to trust you because they say, okay, well, if I work with Somi, I can get access to collectors that I wouldn't be able to get access to otherwise because she has this group of collectors that trust you. And then as you add more artists that trust you, that creates more collectors that trust you, which creates more artists. So it becomes this flywheel that that feeds onto itself. Um, and as you make progress with both groups, your credibility with collectors helps you get more artists and your credibility with artists helps you get more collectors. I think that's the key to succeeding as a curator. And that's, our, our guide will be fully public, by the way. It's, it's not only accessible to people who are signed up to be curators on the platform. And then we also do one-on-one -on -one calls with our curators. We actually have a Slack channel dedicated to our curators, not, not a, a whole Slack workspace where they can ask us questions and say, hey, how much, you know, basically consult with us one-on-one. -on -one. So we're, we're really dedicated to um, helping them succeed. And we have a lot that we've learned over two and a half years of curating artists. Um, there's many valuable lessons. Uh, I think that these different curators that you will be working with, they will each have their own niche area that they can, you know, specialize in. So, for example, in my case, I don't see myself as necessarily as somebody who can like look at a piece of art that I would find on something like art blogs. And I would, like, I don't feel like I have the sophistication to say, look at this art and say, oh, yeah, this is like great art. Right. I know that it's very subjective, but the areas that I'm really interested in is like, uh, for example, uh, bringing in Steinway into this, you know, bringing in, you know, uh, companies like Bentley into this because they do all these handcrafted, beautiful, unique, you know, limited edition kind of things. And, and I think that they have a lot of interesting things going on for them. So. So those are the kind of things that I find very attractive. Um, or let's say, for example, uh, Bremen watches, right? Like they would have uh, these really unique, interesting 
uh, things that they do around fighter jets, uh, you know, like these are the kind of brands that uh, I'm really attracted to, interested in, I have worked with and, you know, I find them, I find these types of things, these kinds, like a whole new uh, niche of NFTs coming into the space. And then as these uh, companies come into the space, uh, they will also bring in their own audience. They will also bring in, you know, uh, they build a whole new kind of fan base in that area. Um, so are you thinking of it as being something that, you know, that is like these different types of art or because right now, when you look at the NFT space, like one of the most exciting, most kind of, you know, popular things is generative art. But the area that I'm look at, looking at is slightly different. It's like there are these like, you know, 100 year old, 200 year old uh, brands that are known for their craftsmanship. And I think they have the um, possibility of bringing something new into the space. Yeah, completely. I, I would say that helping people, helping bring new types of art and new people into the space is one of the things that we're mostly excited about with this product. Um, because, uh, you, you know, actually when we, when we're, you know, building this and, and making decisions about it, We've had some drops before that have been essentially co-curated by us and participants in the ecosystem. And, you know, we said, okay, this will be an interesting piece of data to see how well publishers will do. So we researched, you know, what the audience looks like on your average drop that was co-curated by someone else. And actually on average, um, around 50% of people who participate in those drops are new buyers to Nifty Gateway. And for some drops as, as high as like 85%, of the people in those drops are new buyers. So the publishers that we've worked with have actually been really, really successful in, in bringing a new audience into NFTs um, on average. And I, I think that makes sense. You know, we we spend a lot of time on our, on our curation and we work hard, but ultimately we have a set of experiences and we have a point of view that's going to, you know, like point us towards certain type of content. Another curator like like you, you know, just walk through, we'll have a totally different point of view and a unique take on it. And ultimately that means that, you know, I think you'll be able to bring in, bring in content and people to the NFT space that we wouldn't otherwise be able to bring in. So that's, I would say that that's one of the aspects that we're most excited about. These types of um, arts that uh, come into the space, you know, through Nifty Gateway, does it mean that they will only be purchasable on Nifty Gateway? How do you make that happen? The mechanics of it, I'm trying to understand. Well, it'll, I mean, a, a curator will encode a, a drop on Nifty Gateway, just like any other drop. Um, and, you know, buyers, our, our system is is hybrid custodial, non-custodial. So buyers who are new experience, who are new to the space and, and don't have a, a personal wallet can just check out and have it sent to like a, to a Nifty Gateway custodial account. Um, and buyers who are more experienced can store it in their personal wallet and then trade it directly on any on-chain marketplace. Um, and so, no, it's, yeah, I mean, it, it's just like any other NFT, it's it's free to float about the, the ecosystem. Um, the original drop does happen on, on Nifty Gateway, but from there, you know, it, it just becomes like any other NFT that, that exists anywhere on the blockchain. So in that sense, it's a, it's a bit similar to art blocks, would you say? Art box, you know, you do a mint, it's a, it's a drop. Art box also, you know, they have their curated drops and then they also have their like verified sort of like more open section. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a, 
it, it's a drop very similar to the to the art blocks mechanic. And I should also add that we have many. One of the coolest parts of Nifty is our our different drop types. So people can do, you know, you can do an auction for a one of one piece, but you can also do an addition where there's a ranked auction for it. So you can say an addition of ten, and the ten highest bidders are the ones who get to win the piece. Um, you can do an open edition where it's available to mint for a fixed amount of time, and that dictates the number that get minted. And then we have this really powerful uh, thing called rules for buyers, where you can essentially create rules about who can access your NFT. And so, you know, you could say, uh, you know, this piece is only available for people who have a proof pass, for example, because I want to like get the proof pass. And, and that's really, you know, the rules for buyers, we're going to get very crazy and complicated with it. Um, it could even be something, you know, we could inter interface with Steinway's backend and say, you can only mint this NFT if you bought a piano from Steinway, which I think would be a really interesting dynamic. I mean, there, there's all sorts of ways that brands can engage their customers with NFTs that are really underexplored right now. That's definitely a super exciting time for, for these brands coming into this space. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit more about the role of the publisher. Um, mm -hmm. Like, let's say somebody is listening to this and they're like, oh, okay, this is this could be like a whole new, um, you know, career space for me. Like I could I could build a whole business around it. Um, how much time do you think somebody has to spend to make something like that happen? Are there uh, consideration of uh, any uh, specific kinds of costs uh, to the publisher? to get this started uh, as a career path or uh, building a business around it? Well, uh, there are, I mean, there are some small costs when you mint an NFT. It, all, of our, all of our drops are a, a new smart contract. So you essentially have to clone one of our factory ERC 721s, which is, it, which is pretty cheap. It's, it's cheaper to clone a contract than to, uh, than to um, deploy a new one. And we've done a lot of work to to like hyper optimize our minting. So minting on Nifty is really, really cheap compared to compared to other platforms. So I mean, I mean, we did some math that at current gas prices, deploying a drop is is probably around $30, 20 to $30. So really low cost. Um I I mean I, you know, we're we're launching this program for the first time. So I mean any any information that I any yeah, anything I say is basically just a guess and really should be taken with a grain of salt. But I, I would say that someone who wants to do this as a side hustle could probably spend 10 hours a week and, you know, build a name for themselves as a, a curator. It, it's, I, I mean, it's kind of similar to opening an art gallery, a, a physical art gallery, for example. You know, the, the difference is if you open a physical art gallery, there are a lot of costs involved. You have to lease a space. You have to deal with the difficult logistics of transporting art to your gallery, hanging art up on the walls. This is essentially a way to to scratch that itch of opening an art gallery and featuring artists you like without uh, having to deal with any of the physical logistics. Um, yeah, so I think five to ten hours. I, I think the biggest thing to remember is, as you said, like what can what can you as a curator do differently to to make yourself stand out? Um, and what how can you how can you find artists that are underappreciated and then sh help shine a spotlight on them? And also the other thing that I would add is, uh, you know, patience is important. I think being a curator, it, it takes time. It, it really takes time to build up a brand of trust with artists and collectors both. And at Nifty, I mean, our our curational brand was uh, was very slow to get off the ground. 
and and definitely you know i think uh it, it took a lot of time before people really came to trust it and then once once people do trust it you know you you also have to be you also be careful and you have to make sure that you're making the right decisions because we've definitely made curation mistakes in the past um, that we've learned from. But yeah, I, I think it'll, I mean, like anything else in NFTs, I think it'll take work, but I think for someone who is, you know, spending all the, all their time in the NFT space is totally obsessed with the space and, you know, wants to have a side hustle that can maybe transition into a full-time career. This is a really, really exciting option. Um, because you know, right now, if you want to make money from NFTs, I mean, I guess you can uh, you can try and find a job at an NFT company, or you can try and flip NFTs full time. Um, this is a really this is a totally unique angle, and you know, you're by by working with artists and helping them understand the space better, you're like helping push the space forward and helping improve the quality of the NFTs in the in the space. And I, I'm really excited to see what people do with it. I I really love that idea how many publishers do you think could exist is there like a a limit of how many publishers you would be able to handle or have on the platform how, how do you see that those numbers working out well we're we're rolling out the product in beta um with a, a group of beta users uh and a big part of the reason is we want to make sure that the tech works as intended um you know it's hard to build software and there's almost always unanticipated bugs. So the beta period is about making sure that the everything is working as intended and you know the system it doesn't break down. I, I think that there in you know in the totality of time, there really could be a lot of publishers. There, there's approximately 19,000 art galleries worldwide. Um, and you know, as, as I mentioned, opening an art gallery is, is far, far more difficult. <clears throat> than becoming a curator on Nifty Gateway. You know, an art gallery, you have to deal with all these physical logistics. Um, you, you know, it's very, very, it's it's kind of a, a major pain. And yet there's still 19,000 of them. Um, so I, I think that, you know, easily the number of, of curators that could be successful is in the tens of thousands. And once once the beta period is over and once we've worked out all the kinks, we're not, we're not going to limit the people who can be curators on Nifty. We're not curating the the curators, if you will. Um, we're we're like making it an open platform where anyone can try their hand at creating a curated space. Uh, but of course, we will have rules that that you have to follow. And and if you do stuff like, you know, minting fake NFTs or trying to sell fraudulent content, uh, you know, that that sort of thing isn't isn't going to be tolerated. But we're not going to we're not going to like select curators based off who we think will be successful. The reason why I'm asking this is because I, I can see that my uh, my first company, which is uh, Smart Cookie Media, which is a marketing agency, and that's where we work with Steinway. You know, my team run that uh, company by themselves now. I don't I don't have pretty much any input in it. Uh, I just sign off on the on the content. You know, they just sh show me something when it's finished before they send it to the client. But I I don't manage anything else because I'm running this other new business which is uh you know the web3 platform uh, you know essentially i'm building almost like a linkedin of web3 which is like mm -hmm. a platform for uh education career development and networking um so i see this being relevant to both of the companies so i i can see that like i could get my team um in in the first company that already worked with steinway and and the other luxury brands i mentioned 
you know, get them to learn this and, you know, help bring these brands into the Web3 space. And then I can see that uh, for our platform, for the Impeak platform, this could be really interesting as a career path that I could, um, you know, we could create like courses, you know, they're not like pre-recorded courses, they're like live, live sessions. And I can talk to the Nifty team and explain how this works, you know, share the screen, you know, and like maybe we do a few sessions and it's like these become like the blueprint of how you become a successful curator. And if this can become an, uh, a whole new career path in the Web3 space, this is something that I would really love to get behind and, and push and, and uh, bring in a, a lot of people. And I think especially a lot of women as well. You know, this is a great, it's a, I think because women love to have career paths that are flexible hours that they can manage in their own way. This could be so attractive to them, but also to men as well. Totally. No, uh, we would absolutely love that because I think for us, I think uh, it, you know, it's it's not necessarily going to come easily. I, th I think being a successful curator, like, you know, education will help. You'll have to work at it. You'll have to iterate and, and you know, try new things. And so educational guides are 100% are something that we think we need to, to produce to help curators be successful. And we sort of took a, I mean, as I said, we're launching with one written guide that's not super in-depth, but I think a video course and, you know, an in-depth thing interviews with curators who have been successful about how they did it, that would be absolutely, yeah, yeah, that would be enormous. That'd be extremely helpful. So 100%, that's something we're interested in. Awesome. And do you have curators that we can invite already uh, that um, when you mentioned uh, successful cur curators? Yeah, definitely. A few come to mind. Fantastic. Yeah. So it would be great to feature them on the platform. And we also make the creation of the content, we make it so easy so that you don't have to do a lot of preparation in advance. It's almost like a uh, similar to a you know, podcast interview, but, but with a live audience. And, and it always helps to have some visual content that you can share your screen and show. It's not on Zoom, it's on our own platform. Um, and it's like um, really like people get really engaged and I can see this being really attractive um, to a lot of people. How many publishers do you currently have? Uh, we have 50. It's somewhere between 50 and 60. I would have to check with Brian on the exact number. Okay. So this is such a great time for people to get involved, right? Because it's like the early days of it. And, uh, you know, like you, you are, you have the advantage of being early there. So, so that's really exciting. Absolutely. I, I would say so. I love it. I think, I think this is great. Um, from where I'm looking at it, I see it as like the best way probably is to kind of pick a niche, right? Pick as a, a specific area of art that you think, you know, you, you are really interested in. It can be art, it can be something like, in my case, you know, the, the kind of like uh, legacy luxury brands that are handmade, etc. You know, so um, you pick an area that you think a niche that you think is uh, it's good because then you can create podcasts around it you can create content around it you can help those artists you know become uh better known access more uh, more of an audience there's like a whole um kind of business that can be built around it and and then you can become known in that niche i can see this as a very exciting area uh, of career development for for a lot of people and you know um as we live in a 
uh, in a world where um, you know, machines are going to do so many things better than us. I've actually written a book called Career Fear and How to Beat It. And it's all about, you know, how machines are, are eating up, you know, human jobs. So um, uh, as machines can do everything better than us, these are the kinds of, you know, curation, like these are the kinds of jobs uh, or a career path that, um, that only humans can do because it's all relationship based. Right. Totally. Yeah, that, that's actually a really great point. I had maybe we should add that to our, our marketing copy on the website. A machine yeah. will never replace you as a curator. Um, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I would also add that uh, it's it's pretty fun. I mean, people love on our, our creative team, which is the, the group of people that are do our creation, curation. Uh, I think they have a pretty good time. I mean, they you get to hang out with artists all day. You get to like talk over their their work with them, you get to understand their like art and their careers in like a much deeper way than you would otherwise be able to. Um, so I, I think it's a pretty, I mean, it's a pretty like great industry to work in just because, you know, like it's, it's exciting, it's interesting, it's like in intellectually stimulating and, and like artists are cool, I, I guess, is, is my one word, one sentence summary. Um, so yeah, I, I think people will really go crazy with it. Well, thank you so much, Duncan. This has been uh, so interesting. I have learned so much. I can definitely see this. I'm going to uh, look into, you know, uh, everything that um, that is developing around this. And I'd love to be involved. I want to get my team to learn all about it and kind of like make that as part of the offering that we already have um, on Smart Cookie Media. And also then we will do educational uh, sessions uh, about this new career opportunity on the Impeak platform. Awesome. All well, right. it, was, it was a really great conversation, Sami. I'm glad you're yeah. so excited. It makes me happy to hear. Absolutely. And I, I think that the Nifty team will be happy too, because, uh, you know, they've been like heads down working on this product for months. So um, yeah. it, they'll, they'll be really happy to see a good reception. Fantastic. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Duncan Cockfoster of Nifty Gateway. We will be collaborating with them on some great educational content and career opportunities via Impeak. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe to it on Apple, Spotify, or any other one of your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to give it a five-star rating and write a review. The full interviews are also available on my YouTube channel, The Somi Ariane Show.